It's been great to enjoy the presence of God tonight, isn't it? So we thank our worship team. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you have a Bible with you tonight, whatever way you engage with that, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 5 for me. We're going to be reading from there in a moment. But let me give you some information on what's happening really on the earth today. It seems to me that from amongst the church, there is a raising up of individuals or groups of people that are seeking so much more than just good encounters, so much more than just great meetings, so much more than just good preaching. Something is stirring in the hearts of God's people for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth. And for that group of people, some of what we're experiencing tonight is a preamble. It's almost like the warm-up for that which will happen tomorrow morning. Because we can enjoy God's presence here, but actually the greater challenge and the bigger invitation for us is to take his presence everywhere, into every facet of our lives. If he works in here, he can most certainly work outside If he can transform hearts here, he can do likewise outside. If he brings life and joy and peace and fullness and hope to the human soul that engages with him in worship, then you do know that worship actually travels and it goes with you into every facet of your life. And there's a group of people from amongst the people that are rising up that are starting to believe with confidence and conviction that the God who has transformed them has the power to transform everything. And for that, that's worth us stopping for a moment and pausing for a second to consider what that must mean for us as a group of people. See, church, I want to start tonight by saying this to you. When you know your unique identity as a carrier of God's presence, as a child of grace, as a son or a daughter of God, then your thinking starts to move And it moves in this direction. We stop trying to be the best church in the city. And we start believing and dreaming that we can be the best church for the city. When God begins to impact our thinking and help us understand that this kingdom that has come and transformed us and has changed so much about us has legs and mileage and energy to transform every environment that we stand in, then we start to move away from just gathering people to a moment and we start to become a people who are in a movement where the Spirit is bringing life into every context. In Matthew chapter 5, let's read it together. Verses 14 to 16, Jesus speaks of such a people. He says, you are the light of the world. In other words, something has so happened to you, you are heavenly radioactive. And just about everything that God wants to do, he will do in you, and then he will do through you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be broken. In other words, as we rise up to the posture and the place of influence that God has afforded us as his children, we actually start to understand that we are indeed God's chosen individuals to bring life to every facet of society. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. But actually, let's pause for a moment. Isn't that really what we do? We take what God has done in us and we hide it. We hide it because we're embarrassed. 
We hide it because we fail to understand its significance. So often many people carry a greatness because God is, after all, great, and anything he gives you is going to be great. But we carry that greatness with a sensitivity that we would not ever wish for one second that we would actually become haughty or proud or arrogant. And indeed, that's a good thing to think about. But actually, in our desire to stay humble, we have restricted the purposes of God. You see, if you have illumination, which is light, you will also have elevation. When God begins to bring illumination to a soul, he lifts people up to a higher place of expectation. You know what it's like once you didn't have relationship with him, and now you have relationship with him, and suddenly you have this joyous expectation that God can do all kinds of things through you. But we do sometimes put what God has placed inside of us, which is the answer and the antidote to the cares and the needs of this world, we hide it under a bushel. We hide it under religion. We hide it under false humility. We hide it under a sense of insecurity. And we hide it under a lack of clarity. It says here, instead, they put it on a stand. In other words, illumination is best whenever it is attached to elevation. In other words, what God has given you is at its peak and at its greatest when you come out of hiding and start to take your place in the world in which he's placed you. It gives light to everyone in the house. Now this phrase is really important to us because unless we move away from false humility and step away from a sense of insecurity and start to believe with confidence that God inside of you and inside of me is the answer to everything around us, what we will do is we will restrict the capacity of other people to come into a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is why it says here, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus, who is the light of the world, has given you light, and you are a light bearer and a light carrier. He has given you a mandate to take that light from out of hiding in your life and to raise it up to a place of elevation where it starts to illuminate things around you to bring people into the revelation that God loves them too. You're not to hide that light under a bushel, to hide it away under religion, to marginalize it under a sense of a lack of courage or indeed clarity about who you are in Christ. You are to allow that light to shine because it is indeed not your light, but his light in and through you that begins to work its greatest work around you. That light needs to be elevated. In other words, God is going to bring the church to a high place. Now that sounds counterintuitive to us because you look around in the world and you start to recognize that every demonic power on this planet is trying to reduce the church to a nothing place. But Jesus has given you light. He is your light so that you would have an elevated status in this world. That's not about being proud. It's not about being arrogant. It's not about being haughty or, or hard-necked. It's simply about the mandate of the church to rise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen. It's in you and it needs to be seen through you for the world to come to Christ. You and I are the kind of people, therefore, that when we walk into a room, 
we bring illumination. And light does two things. The first thing is it this. It expels the darkness. And I think the church has got a little bit preoccupied with expelling the darkness. If all we do as the light of the world is expel the darkness, then we're not fulfilling the mandate that Jesus has placed upon our lives. Because it's not only that we want darkness to expel, be expelled, but we want heavenly design to be exposed. Now when you turn the light on in your bedroom or you turn the light on in your house when you get home, it does get rid of the darkness. But more importantly, it shows you the geography. It shows you what's there that could not be seen prior to the light switch being turned on. And so God's people are called to be the light of the world, not hiding what he's done, not hiding what he's given in, in their lives, but being elevated to places of influence and significance. And when we turn up, we don't just expel the darkness. We don't just get rid of that which is not good, but we expose heavenly design. And the church is to be a carrier of both those realities. When Jesus says you are the light of the world, he's saying you're carrying something on your life that when you walk into a room, you begin to reverse the climate in that room and you begin to release heaven's design. That is who the church is. Now we can sing our songs about being the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, and we're very brave in this environment. We say all kinds of things, we shall overcome, we shall overcome. You know, how great is our God? And we step out of this environment into the culture around us and suddenly we're a little bit like the, the children of Israel who says we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. We start to be intimidated by culture. Church, I want to tell you what you're carrying is intimidating to the enemy. What you're carrying is intimidating to culture. That is why culture does everything in its power to restrict the church and restrict the people of God. Because culture knows that if the light which you carry ever exposes original design, then the world will start to wake up to the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be intimidated by culture when we carry the culture of heaven that is intimidating to the devil. And here's the problem, church. If you are the light of the world, and they're not my words, they belong to Jesus, okay, and you've got to work up in your own mind whether that is or is it true about you, and you insist on remaining hidden, in other words, you hide your light under a bushel, thinking that might even be spiritual humility, you will miss the purpose that God has intended for you in every industry that you're involved in. If we keep putting down what God intends to raise up, we will have all kinds of problems in the church. And the church is very good at putting itself down. One of the best theological songs I've heard in a long time comes from a group from the west coast of Ireland. They sang this song. You raised me up so I can... Oh, don't ruin it for me. I used to like it. God is trying to raise you up. He has given you this glorious heavenly mandate to expose the world to his goodness, to introduce him into every context. And all we're concerned about, all we're preoccupied about is staying small. 
staying little, staying insignificant, and staying hidden. But it isn't just Westlife that we need to listen to. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. For God has raised us up with Christ Jesus. Sorry? For God has raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Amen. Amen. So if God's trying to raise you up and you're insistent on staying down, my survey says you'll probably have a very difficult spiritual journey. Now here's the problem with this and I want to highlight it to you. One of the things that we do in the church is we are very, very obsessed with what we call character. Okay, and that's a good thing because sometimes in the world in which we're living in, character is always a subservient thing in many people's eyes to gifting. But actually, God has gifted the church with Jesus Christ. And he has given us a mandate to expose the world to the reality of who Jesus is. Now, let's say that I have the capacity to be a 10, but currently I'm living at a 3. Every room I walk into, the only possible way I can raise people up around me is to raise them up to a one or a two, because I'm a three. If I started to believe that God could elevate me and work in me until I was a nine, then the truth is every room I walk into, I can raise people up so that they're an eight. And if you look at business practice, that's exactly what people do in the business world. Sometimes we are general practitioners, but you've been given a gift of God. Very uniquely, it's been placed in your life. And you have a mandate on your life to rise up. And as you rise up, you lift others up with you. You set the bar higher. Not higher in works, but higher in expectation. High in revelation, high in the orchestration and the manifestation of God's presence. So of course the enemy wants to keep you small. Of course the enemy wants to keep you down. Of course the enemy wants to get you caught up with all kinds of false thinking about what humility is. Because if you ever rise to the level that God has placed in you, others around you will rise with you. Now if you start to think that through, you realize that it's important for us as those who call themselves to be leaders to rise up in the fullest capacity that God has placed inside of us. I remember when I first started in the ministry, I heard a couple of deacons say, we'll keep him poor and God will keep him humble. Okay, now what they were doing was putting a cap on the church as to how great the move of the Spirit could be. You see, if I turn up here and I'm flying in all my colors in the Holy Spirit, you've just witnessed it. Some people were just doing that for you. You didn't come in as a three. You probably came in as a two, but you leave here tonight as a six because the people up here turned up with an eight. Okay, they decided to press past all of the obstacles to moving in the things of God. And here's the result of us. Where we've been lifted up. We've been lifted up by the worship. Hello? Lifted up to a higher place. Now, we're going to do a little game tonight because it's a little bit of a Brucey bonus. We're going to ask you, does God lift this person in the Bible higher or lower? Most people believe that God wants to bring people lower, but Ephesians tells us that God wants to lift us higher. 
So let's talk about Moses. Now Moses, God did exceptional things in Moses' life. So did God want to lift him higher or did God want to take him lower? What do you think? Oh, you're just playing the game now. You're not being true to yourself. In Exodus 19, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Did God lift Moses higher or did he take him lower? Okay, what about David, King David? In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9, God says, I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. Church, is that lower or is that higher? Joshua chapter 3 verse 7 and the Lord said to Joshua listen to this one today I will begin to exalt you now if Joshua had false humility this was a moment to trade it in today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses was God taking Joshua lower or was God taking Joshua higher? <laughs> higher. What the Spirit of God is saying to the church is this. I'm going to put something so brilliant and radiant in your life that others will only be able to stop and stare. And Jesus is picking this whole theme up in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5 where he's saying to the church, it's time now for you to come out of hiding and allow the light that I've placed inside of you to light up original design. What God intends to do in every community is for the church to come in with the radiance of his glory and awaken the destiny of other people. God wants to use you in the music industry to bring life. We are blessed in this church that we have people in the music industry. They're not there haphazardly, and they shouldn't hide their lives under a bushel. There's a young lady over here who's on Strictly Regularly, phenomenal singer, given favor by God and gifting, and God is using her gloriously. I sat listening to her last night, crying at her expertise. God is blessing her. Jill, you are amazing, and we celebrate you. Don't be embarrassed. God is lifting you higher. He's lifting you higher. There's something that God wants to do in our city, and it's linked to our capacity to rise up. One more thing about this, and then I want to pray for you. It's a short message, but it's a message that's important. I've heard over the years I've walked with Jesus, people say this, less of me and more of him. And at the first engagement with that, it feels very spiritual, doesn't it? What we're saying is, I am not good and God is good. But the Bible says that God, when he speaks of you, calls you good. So how can it be less of you and more of him? See, what we're doing is we're taking false humility and we're restricting the purpose of God in our lives. Here's a better alternative. All of you in all of me. 
God doesn't dislike you so much he's trying to get rid of you. He's not trying to snuff you out. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. And he doesn't just hang out with you because he has to. He wants to. He likes you. He loves your company. He thinks you're funny. Well, some of you. He enjoys conversations with you. He loves the way you think. He enjoys the way you see the world. He's given you a unique, a unique perspective on all manner of things. He comes as your friend. What do friends do? They dialogue with one another. You share what you think. He shares what he thinks. He's not putting up with you. He wants to be with you because you're good. He knitted you together in your mother's womb and he likes what he sees. He hasn't made a mistake. And he's not trying to smite you. You know, some people talk about God like he's the mighty smiter in the sky. Anytime I start to feel a little bit confident, he comes with his smite and puts me down. That's the opposite to what the Bible says. The Bible says that he raises me up and sets my feet on solid ground. He seated me with Christ in heavenly places. I am the head and not the tail, the first and not the last. I am a child with favor on my life, a carrier of the radiance of God, someone who's called to explore and to express that light in just about every facet. And it's not okay for me anymore to live under false humility. I must allow him to raise me up because as he raises me up, it brings glory to his name. Now when the church starts to rise with this kind of thinking and moves away from false humility, we start to turn up in society with a different mandate. We have a different perspective. Not just to bring healing or cleansing to the world around us, but actually to bring life. In Proverbs 11, 11, this is what it says of the people of God. Through the blessing of the upright, could that be you? If you're a Christian, could that be you? A city will be exalted. In other words, the blessing that's placed in you and upon you has a direct effect on the world around you. When I pastored in Glasgow, the church was in a very poor part of the city. In fact, I remember when Jane and I drove up the day we were going to join the ministry team there, I was horrified. It was so rough in the pubs around us, they had the pig on a bar for an air freshener. That's how bad things really were. If there wasn't a fight at every conceivable moment, then people didn't feel it was a good night out. I mean, people would spill out of these pubs at all hours of the day and night. Things would be thrown and things would be said. And, you know, they'd be back in church. That was the deacons on the following Sunday. <laughs> it was broken. It was, it was a very needy part of the city. But as the Lord started to raise the church and started to bring a sense of his presence, as his people, his broken people, started to rise up with the light of God in their hearts, he started to impact the world around us. Do you know all of the pawn shops shut down? Not because the church was outside with placards, but because we bought the businesses and turned them into cafes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because God raised up people who never thought they'd have a business, and they had a business. Okay, and they were the cheapest possible rentals in the whole of the city. 
As that began to happen, another man in our church started to get into property developing, and he bought loads of these properties up because they were cheap. Nobody wanted to live there, and he started to renovate them. He put Christians in them. The streets started to clean up. Kids were able to walk without feeling fearful. Women could come home for various things without being frightened for their life. Do you know when we left after eight years, you couldn't afford a property in that part of the city because God had raised the church so that he could raise the community. God had lifted people with very little expectation that they would ever make any big difference in this world. And he gave them businesses and he gave them strategies and he gave them finances and he brought healing and he brought restoration. And in the middle of all of that, some people who have good eyesight, and I think they're prophetic whether they realize it or not, started to buy up the land around the church. And some of those properties became the most expensive properties in that part of the city. God wants to raise the church up, and he wants to raise the church up so he can raise the city up. He wants to awaken the church to the light of Christ so we shine gloriously for the glory of God, and he wants to use our lives to awaken communities to his glorious heavenly design. This city is waiting for you to rise. This city is waiting for you to come out of false humility and to start to stand with heavenly dignity in the reality that Christ in me is the hope of glory for everything around me. This city is waiting for the church to wake up. And we need to stop trying to be the best church in the city and start asking God, how can we become the best church for the city? How would you like us to serve your purposes to awaken the destiny over London? You know, I stood outside this afternoon and I said to the Lord, give me your dreams for London, Lord. Give me your dreams for London because my mind sometimes is too small. I cannot dream the lofty dreams of God. And we need God to lift us out of our small-mindedness so that we can start to comprehend how high and how wide and how rich and how deep and how long his love for the city of London truly is. And trust me, there's a lot of nations and a lot of destinies attached to this moment. There's a lot of people in this room that need to arise with the light of Christ in them and start to take the place in humanity. There's time for the church to come out of hiding. That's not arrogance, that's destiny. That's not false humility, that's God-given glory. And as we start to step up in what it is that Christ has placed in us, we lift the expectations and we lift other people to the glorious heights of God. God has trusted us with the destiny of a city. What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to have great meetings or are we going to start to dream big dreams? Let me read this to you again. This is where we started. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town, a community, a group of people built on a hill in a high place, seated with Christ in heavenly places. You cannot be broken down. That is the mandate of the Lord over the church. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. It doesn't matter what secular humanism throws at us. It doesn't matter what any religion throws at us. 
the church will remain and will abide. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the church and God's word will stay for eternity. We are on an eternal contract with the God who began a good work in us, and he will finish what he has started. Don't you be intimidated by what you see. It's propaganda. Greater is he who is in you than anything that you see in this world. Neither do a people light a lamp and put it under a, bu a bushel or a bowl. God has placed his glory inside of you. There's an irradiance in you and a, and a sense of his presence that actually is at its greatest when that revelation has been given elevation. God always raises people. He raises them out of the mire and the clay. He raises them to places of influence. You know, I could tell you story after story of people who when they came to know Jesus had very little. And through the blessing of the Lord in their life, he made them very influential. All kinds of people from all walks of life started to believe that what God had placed in them had a place in society that could change everything. Put your light upon a stand, church. Because the house that's the world we're living in needs to be illuminated. See, it's not enough anymore for the church to complain about how bad things have got. We have to turn up and show people how good they can get. I am bored rigid of Christians complaining about everything around them. If you turned your complaint into a prayer, you might make a bigger difference. Our seat of governance is in heavenly places. We want to rent the heavens that he would come down and move in power. And I believe that God is raising up a people who know the authority they carry in Christ and are going to turn up in the marketplace and make a big difference. And others are waiting for you to rise so they can rise also. He has given you a key to unlock the destiny of communities and industries and education environments and the arts. You have the key to unlock the destiny of other people. In the same way, don't hide it in the church. <laughs> Let it shine before others. Not that people would be attracted to you, because that's short-sighted, but they may see your good deeds and end up on their knees before the God that did such a good thing in you. Here's what they figure out. He could possibly maybe do something in me. They will glorify your Father in heaven. And that's really what we're about, glorifying our Father in heaven. Stand with me, please. Did God cause Moses to be lower or higher? Did God cause Joshua to be lower or higher? Abraham, Gideon, Mary, John the Baptist, Elijah. As you read through the scriptures with that kind of lens and perspective, you realize that the mandate on anyone who's in relationship with God is that he would lift us in Christ and with Christ and seat us with him in heavenly places. The governmental mandate on the church who have received the glorious revelation of the truth of Jesus are now placed in positions of influence throughout the world 
to allow that revelation and that elevation to bring a manifestation of the kingdom of God. So tonight, church, I commission you in the name of Jesus to come out from behind every bushel you have hidden behind. Every false sense of humility, come out right now in the name of Jesus. Every shame that you're hiding behind or guilt or fear or whatever it is that you think gives you permission to hide away, I tear it down in the name of Jesus because it's time for you to rise. It's time for you to shine. Now that's not self-promotion. Please don't misunderstand it. It's kingdom advancement. God is not going to give you a job, great job just because he likes to fill your bank account with money. God is going to give you a great job so that you can fill other people's bank accounts with money. Okay, let's keep it clear in our minds. If you are good at something, you've been gifted by God to release the goodness that other people have too. If we start to make this about us and not about him, we will lose sight of what this is about. And I'll tell you what will happen. You will get thus far and you will not get to your nth degree. Because when we start to walk and partner with the Holy Spirit, not only does he raise you up, but he will start to cause your life to affect other people that they may be raised higher as well. So your life, does God want to put you lower or does God want to make you higher? And it seems counterintuitive because we've been taught that humility, okay, humility is, oh, little me, I can do nothing. Here's what humility looks like in the scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, that's the balance of humility. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not intimidated by the world. I'm not tiptoeing around the world. I'm not trying to navigate the world. I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stay standing for a minute. God has put in my heart for many, many years to pray for the sick. And there always comes a moment where you have to step out of your comfortable place where you start to believe that God is going to do something. And here's what happened when that happened to me the first time. There's a man in a room who didn't like me. God gave me a prophetic word. I went and prayed for him and his deaf ear opened like that. It bled all over my hands with goo and whatever else. It was horrendous. But actually it began, the, the kingdom began to flow. Every single time I step towards that, here's what happens. Not only does God begin to work miracles in the room, but God begins to work miracles through other people. Why? Because as he lifts me up into the place where he's called me to be, it brings others who carry the same calling on their life to a higher place. The same is true of prophecy. If you walk into a room, we were here on Wednesday night with James Aladdin, a great intercessor and a prayer warrior and a prophet. He came into the room and he lifted the room. He lifted our expectations and he lifted our faith and he lifted our joy and he lifted our perspective. Why? Because he's walking in a higher place. He's living in the realm that God has called him to. I guarantee you this week you've been praying more. I guarantee you this week you've been prophesying more. Why? Because he took his place so that you could find your place. So not only does the church depend on you rising up in your fullness, but the world is dependent. All of creation is waiting with eager expectation for the elevated ones of God who carry the illumination and revelation of the truth of Jesus to turn up in their environment. They're waiting for you. 
not to hijack you and hunt you down, but they're looking not just for darkness to be expelled, but for original design to be revealed. It's time to rise up, church. It's time to take your place, to renounce all false humility in Jesus' name. False humility is attached to religion. And you and I are not called to religion. This is not a religion. We have been called to a relationship with the living God. And just in case you struggle with this, and I know I have for many years because I was raised a good Catholic and Catholics beat themselves up about everything. When I had a daughter, for the first time in my life, I knew what it is to want more for another person than I wanted for myself. And I want her to be better at everything than I ever was. I want her to have an easier life than I ever had. I want her to have a greater relationship with Jesus than I've ever known. Why? Because I'm just a father, but he's a good father. And he lifts you up onto his shoulders and shows you the world that he's prepared for you and causes you to dream his dreams so that this city and lives and people and communities and education environments and industry and commerce and banking and all of that Wherever it is he's placed you, he has given you elevated status. In the heavenly realms, you have been given a mandate to lift that environment into its truest design. Why would you therefore adopt a posture of false humility when it's robbing you and others from seeing the glory of God? Rise up, church. Rise up. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. It's not a time for fancy prayers, God. We've had those. It's not a time for clever words. Often, our meetings are full of those. But by your spirit this night, awaken your church from her slumber. I prophesy over you Awake, awake, O oh sleeper, and rise from the dead. For false humility is a death to the kingdom of God's advancements. It's a death to the dream of God that the Father has for your life. He wants you to fulfill his mandate on your life. He has plans to prosper you and to bless you, to give you a hope and ensure a future not just for you, but for those around you. So arise. Bride of Christ tonight, arise. Come out from under the bushel of false humility. Come away from religion and mediocrity. Step away from that carnage that says, I can't do anything. Step out of that which limits and restricts and step into the flow of the Spirit where all things become accessible and all things are now possible to those who believe. Swing wide the gates of your heart and say, Spirit of the living God, awaken me to my truest identity, that I may rise as a daughter or a son of glory and take my place in the midst of humanity, that God, your kingdom may come in all its glory. Father, cause this little light of mine to shine. Lord, that those who are Surrounded by darkness, those who are encapsulated by brokenness, know that whenever your people turn up in every environment, hope is awakened in the hearts of humanity. Father, 
put us in our rightful place. Bring us into our rightful partnership with you. You have called us the head and not the tail. And yet, Lord God, we live like the tail, the scrag end of what could be. Father, bring us from the back to the front, Lord. Rise us up into places of influence, God. In the arts, in music, in politics, Father God. Let the giants in this room awaken to the giants in society. And Lord, let not your chief, your church fall asleep ever again in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, put us step in our, uh, a, a spring in our step that leads us, Lord, to know that you have placed in us the eternal destiny of a city. For it's not okay for us to keep singing. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. When I allow what's in the world to dominate and be greater than the God who's inside of me. Awaken us to life, Father. Lift your hands for me, church. If you're going to prophesy, do it unto the Lord. If you've got the gift of administration, do it unto the Lord. If you have the great capacity to manage people, do it unto the Lord. Step back into your workplace and bring heavenly design to those environments. If you've got the gift of compassion, do it with all your heart as if doing it unto the Lord. For he has graced you with a compassionate heart that others may see and know the goodness of God. If you have the capacity to earn money, do it as if doing it unto the Lord. And don't just fulfill your own dreams for your own life, but rise up in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ bringing illumination to others that they may access the provisions of heaven. Father God, your church, your church is rising up. Your church is waking up, Father. We're moving away from wanting to be a great church in the city to the mandate that's on our lives, that we become a great church for the city, Lord. A people awakened to love and to life, full of your spirit, Lord. Heavenly strategies, kingdom come, will of God be done in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 And if you need prayer for anything tonight, anything related to this commissioning that I believe has taken place in the heavenly realms tonight, if you've been intimidated and affected by guilt and fear and shame, if you've hidden this light that Christ has given you under anything at all, then come forward. Our ministry team will be here. They're going to lay hands on you and they're going to bless you in your onward journey. But for the rest of us who need to go, we're going to finish with the grace. Thank you for being with us here tonight. If you're a guest here, we have a little reception back to my right. We would love to meet with you, chat with you, just get to know you a little bit better. And if there's anyone in this room tonight that finds Jesus attractive and would like to invite him to take over their heart and invade every part of their life, to give themselves fully to him as he has given himself fully for them, then there's somebody here wandering around with a yellow, with a yellow booklet over here. Thank you. And he would just be delighted to chat with you about matters pertaining to that reality. But now my prayer for you is this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever 
and ever. Amen. So in your workplace tomorrow, in your home this evening, in your community throughout this week, do not hide what God has given you, what God has done in you. Let your light shine before men that your Father in heaven may be glorified. Church, God bless you. The worship team are going to play for us. Thank you.